This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. At the stroke of midnight on that great holiday, gonna have a ball and that ain't all gonna chase the blues away. I'll be bringing in a brand new year, bringing in a brand new year. Gonna have a dance, take a chance of romance while bringing in a brand new year. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you went Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committing a live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very happy to have each and every one of you listening with me today, whether you're listening via podcast after the fact or whether you're listening to the rebroadcast of this on terrestrial radio stations across the country, uh, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. I, I always go back to those guys because they were the first 
and they lead the way. Uh, still love the rest of you guys. Also, uh, if you're listening uh, to the uh, internet platform of the last frequency and you're hearing the broadcast there as well, uh, thank you so much. I love being uh, uh, able to talk to you guys directly. Thank you uh, for being part of the listening audience. Thank you for being part of the family. Now, uh, you may have noticed I'm still doing uh, the New Year's uh, uh, stuff there right off the intro. I've still got Christmas decorations. I put you ordinarily. We we take care of that. I'm I'm in the habit of waiting till Thanksgiving Day to start doing the Christmas decorations after we've had the family meal. So it's been kind of a family tradition since I was a young little whippersnapper. We used to to get together as a family and and all of the cousins, the aunts, the uncles. So we got together with our grandparents. Well, with my grandparents and. Uh, we would have the Thanksgiving meal and we would do all the stuff. And then once we kind of finished up, uh, we would come together and we would set up uh, the family uh, Christmas tree. And uh, we'd all help to decorate it a little bit, those of us who are old enough to do so without destroying things. And uh, we, we were in the habit of doing that. And then the Christmas tree would stay up until... January 1st and then on January 1st that was the last official full day that it got to be there uh you know we were still watching the uh New Year's Day football bowl games back when most of them pretty much ended at that point well before the playoffs came along you know it just it was just a thing you know but it, it was be you could expect to see decorations and celebrations of the holiday season until the second usually uh by the second everybody's taking their stuff down they're good to go now this particular year the way it fell uh monday came on the third so uh you would expect to see a lot of businesses and uh, cities begin taking decorations down and i saw a little bit of that today but I've seen a lot of folks pretty much in their personal, uh, their homes, their their vehicles, the folks that kind of decorated those up too. And, and God bless you guys. You're a special kind of folks, and, and I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, some folks like to, to poke fun, but I love anybody that's willing to, to put everything out there and really embrace the season and, and get into the spirit. Uh, and, you know, what I'm seeing, though, is a lot of folks still have their stuff up. Uh, uh, several businesses continue to leave their items up today. I, I saw several, uh, and I was around today a little bit more than usual, spent a little more time on the road. Uh, oh, by the way, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast uh, time of the the uh, live uh, time of me being here behind the microphone, uh it's January 4th, so, you know, we're we're peeling down towards the end of Tuesday uh, in a week immediately after. Now, maybe some of it had something to do with here locally, the fact that we had uh, some, some snowy weather just the other day after having had 70-plus degree weather uh, just a couple of days before. We got... Uh, uh, some some nice flurries here, uh, some actual legitimate accumulation just up the road a little bit. 
Uh, so maybe some of it was that, okay, we're, we're hanging on to the declarations because we want to see the lights against some snow. We are expecting some, some more snow, uh, some more winter weather uh, this coming Thursday. So we'll kind of see how that plays out as well. Maybe that was a little of it. But I kind of have this feeling, and the feeling is I, I believe people are trying to hang on to that holiday spirit right now. I think folks are trying to find a reason and some associations just so that they can maintain that feeling because we've had so much going on with the last uh, almost two years now, uh, depending on where you're at and when lockdowns began. The pandemic continues to uh, be a cudgel uh, for those governmental would-be tiny tyrants who want to rule the roost and we see the difference between the panic and, and the folks that are keep lecturing us, follow the science follow the science, but I don't think they've followed any of the actual science or even know the difference between science and uh, political activism. I don't think they understand that there is a difference. The only science they really know is political science and they're not bright enough to know that that's the science they're following. So I don't know. I, I, I really do think that, that the Christmas decorations are, these decorations are, are lingering a bit longer than usual. And I, I'm kind of liking it. I, I kind of left mine a little longer. And it wasn't that I don't want to get into this new year and get on with business, but I, I've just kind of felt a need to, to leave it up just a little bit longer. And I noticed today a lot of other people seem to be doing the same thing. So for those of you that are determined to hang on to the positive as we move into this uh, upcoming year, uh, God bless you. And uh, may you have a year that's worthy of that level of celebration each and every day. Uh, it's just one of those one of those strange feelings I, I just felt the need to to comment on it so that being said what do you say we actually get into today's broadcast uh like i said earlier uh, live broadcast is uh january 4th here we are four days into 2022 and one of the breaking stories from today uh donald trump has canceled his january 6th press conference uh, yes, the Donald, the orange man who is bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, and also former president of the United States. Uh, president Trump announced today, Tuesday, uh, the 4th, that he has canceled his upcoming January 6th press conference. Uh, he was planning on having it in Florida. Uh, quoting from the announcement, in light of the total bias and dishonesty of the January 6th unselect committee of Democrats, two failed Republicans, and the fake news media, I am canceling the January 6th press conference at Mar-a-Lago on Thursday, and instead we'll discuss many of those important topics at my rally on Saturday, January 15th in Arizona. Something in a rally in Arizona? Mm, yeah, I, I know we've already talked about it. We've discussed it. I've been saying for a while I was hopeful of what might transpire, 
but that it seemed likely that Donald Trump was, in fact, going to to run for president again. Uh, I think losing left a, a bad taste in his mouth, although I'm pretty sure that he doesn't feel like he lost legitimately. I think he's made that case. In fact, the whole January 6th debacle uh, is heavily prevalent on a lot of folks feeling the exact same way, that it wasn't a legitimate loss. I think the fact that he's going headlong into 2022 rallies in places like Arizona tells you everything you need to know. It's pretty much a done deal. Of course, uh, we've discussed how several Trump insiders, people that know him personally, people that have conversations with him on a regular basis, have several of them have already come out and said, yes, it's a done deal. But I think this also... Uh, hints along that line. Uh, Trump, in this statement also a little bit later, concluded by saying, quote, I look forward to seeing our great American patriots in Arizona next weekend for a big rally to save America. Uh, very Trump-esque thing to say. And at that point, I guess that's pretty much everything, right? Donald Trump has made this announcement and he's canceled this press conference. Now, I kind of understand wanting to have the press conference on the 6th because of everything that's been said in the media surrounding it. Uh, the left literally refers to Donald Trump's concerns about the lack of transparency and the lack of ethical behavior in the presidential election that installed Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. into uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I, I get it. It would be a good day to do it. It's, it's an anniversary that has a lot of meaning, but unfortunately, uh, Donald's right. Because of the way the Democrats are trying to position January 6th as the only thing they have going, the only reason to vote for a Democrat at this point is because if you don't, more scary stuff will happen. You know, they've been trying to hang the January 6th. What's what's a good, actually accurate word was not an insurrection. Uh, the left will continue to refer to it as one, but it wasn't. An there was no real effort to overthrow the government. These people were not armed in any real fashion. Uh, they were, if they were insurrectionists, they were literally the worst insurrectionists in history. They were almost as good at being an insurrectionist as Donald Trump was at being racist. I mean, it's doesn't stop the left from calling him that all the time, right? But, uh, you know, if you have any actual connection to the real world, you don't see much of a connection there. Not really. Don't feel like hashing that out at the moment, but uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, the entire upcoming election, the, the 2022 midterms, you got to bunch of Democrats that continue to announce the retirements, that they're they're not going to seek re-election. A lot of folks trying to get out while they're getting good. They don't want to uh, be beaten incumbents. They would much rather retire. So 
if the seats are lost, they don't have to take the blame for it. And, and there will be blame. These people have enabled Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. These people have enabled barely there Beijing Biden. They've enabled Operation P-Pads and Knee-Pads. They have. They, they went along with all that. They've created this monstrosity of a economy that right now Joe Biden's out there trying to tell you that it's a great economy. It's a strong economy. It's the best economy we've had in history. He's basically uh, time warped back to the third year of the Trump administration, and he's trying to pretend like that's the economy he has. He's talking about job growth. The jobs growth is not there the way he seems to think it is. You have literally a small percentage of what should be taking place and would have been taking place if they had just opened back up for business. If they had said, all right, you know what, this has been an artificial bump in the road, an artificial shutdown of our economy, uh, let's just open it back up. Everybody go back to work. If you'd just done that, then you might have something to brag about because – well, the economy was on track to continue growing under Trump until the artificial shutdown from COVID. Now, there's a lot of people, a lot of reporters, uh, a lot of uh, leftist politicians uh, who are real quick to not mention it because they're hoping that you'll forget that. They're hoping that you won't remember that you were actually better off under Trump financially despite the mean tweets Despite the international leaders in foreign countries, uh, you know, obviously other countries would be foreign, but so I'm being a little redundant here. But, you know, these world leaders, leaders who were supposed to be our friends and allies, uh, they were miffed at him. But they were miffed for a good reason, usually. They were mad because they weren't getting away with all the things they had been accustomed to getting away with. Look at NATO. Trump made it clear, you're going to pay your fair share, you're going to live up to the terms of the agreement, or maybe we'll just do away with NATO. Now, if you're familiar with Donald Trump, and you know how he speaks, and you know the tolerance, you know that that's just the art of the deal in him. He's throwing out a possible negative consequence if you don't take him seriously. So what did they do? They took him seriously. Uh, for the first time in decades, the United States was not basically just putting the entire bill for NATO. I mean, yeah, there were contributions still being made, but nowhere near the agreed-upon contributions. Nowhere near the actual fair shares, since the left likes using that. I, I thought I might might try it out, see if it worked. Since they weren't paying their fair share uh, as per the agreements when they entered NATO, it seemed like a pretty good deal when they started. Now, obviously not everybody hit those marks, but everybody got a heck of a lot closer than they had been. And uh, Germany, who's been, or at that time, was just doing gangbusters with their economy, uh, finally met their obligations. First time in a very long time. I know that... German Hillary, I mean uh, Angela Merkel, she wasn't real happy with it, but she got there. 
I'm going to miss Angela. She's she's not in charge over there anymore. I'm going to miss her. German Hillary was quite quite the topic. <laughs> she was usually good for a few stories, uh, at least every six months. So I I'm, I am going to miss. But new year, new leadership. So that's where we're at, right? New leadership. So Donald Trump is stepping back. Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats, they're moving forward. They they still want to pretend like the reason they need to nationalize elections is to keep January 6th from happening again. And they want it both ways. Now, I will firmly uh, I will firmly support you if you make the statement Donald Trump should have spoken more directly and much sooner trying to put an end to the uh, to the riot that was taking place there yes yes absolutely he should have that's also part of the reason why we now know thanks to leaked emails that people like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram were were screaming. We're, we're sending text messages and, and calling Trump's chief of staff and, and trying to get in touch directly with Trump to, to have him do exactly that. They're killing your legacy right here. And they did. They killed the legacy. And a lot of people seem to still have some misconceptions about what actually transpired. You literally had... Uh, a small number of individuals that were actually violent. And and that's more than enough, and that's horrific. It's terrible imagery. It's a bad thing. I'm not trying to, to belittle it or to make excuses for it, not by any means. But the overwhelming majority of people who've been arrested, who've been detained, who've been kept in horrific conditions, who've not been permitted to get proper medical care, who've been bullied and possibly assaulted by some of the guards. This we know thanks to uh, members of the House checking on these people. The majority of the people who were arrested for this activity were people who walked through open to barricades, who looked around, who took selfies, who posted, hey, I'm here on this historic moment. And it was a historic moment just for the wrong reasons. It was a historic moment because we saw a travesty of justice in the election. Yes, the elections had been certified, but not all the certifications were legitimate. And they were sorting through that. That's another thing that has continued to bother me, and I'll point this out one more time. If the so-called insurrectionists were really trying to stop the certification of the election, they literally had the opposite effect. The courage and the nerve of the politicians that were on the floor that were challenging the states that had certified their elections in an illegal and unconstitutional fashion ended as soon as this business started. They no longer had the nerve to stand it. They no longer wanted to look like that they were part of the insurrection that wasn't. And I, I will continue to tell you, it wasn't. It does not take 
a genius to take one look at this event and understand that this was not an insurrection. It's just a, an official, scary-sounding word so that the Democrats can keep going around and telling you that this election, the very democracy that you love, is on the ballot. If you vote for those guys, you're voting against democracy. Well, let me tell you something. If you believe in American values, if you believe that all voices should be heard and that mob rule is not the preferred method of running the country, then you better vote for the bad guys. Well, bad guys, according to them. Because you don't want mob rule. You don't want straight democracy. You want a constitutionally federated republic, much like we were given by our founders. And we have struggled mightily to try to hold on to something that slightly resembles that. It's not what we've got anymore. I would love a return to it. I keep preaching for that. I keep hoping we'll get there. But you, if you're a minority, you don't want straight democracy. You think you're mad now? You think you're marginalized now? You think you don't have a voice now? Try going to a straight democracy. Never, never will you win. Ever. It's not possible. When the straight majority just crams down whatever it is they want on you, it doesn't do you any good to voice your opposition. Now, right now, the Democrats have got you thinking that, hey, that sounds like a good idea. We, should, we shouldn't have the Electoral College. We should just have straight elections because if we just had the national election and every vote counted once and that's how we went, yeah, that's real good until all of a sudden you find out that uh, you're not giving a fair voice to the people that live in eh, South Dakota. Which, right now, you're fine with if you live in Chicago or if you live in New York. If you live in Los Angeles, you have one vote, one voice. That's equal. But what happens? Let's, let's play a little thought exercise. What happens if, let's say you're living in California, right? And they continue to raise taxes because that's what they're going to have to do in order to continue to play the little political games that they're currently playing. And they raise those taxes to a point that you just can't stay there anymore. You finally realize that, you know, that, that old Tim Tapp guy over there on that Tap into the Truth show, yeah, he was he was saying some things that actually that actually were right. He wasn't just some right wing nut job. Not all the time. I mean sure he was, but but not Every now and then, the crazy guy said something that made sense. As it turns out, this taxation thing's one of them. Taxation is theft. It's not just a, a meme on the internet. It's not just a saying for libertarians. It is straight up fact. They're forcibly taking from you what you have earned. Now, of course, it's in the name of doing government things, and they keep trying to convince you they're doing great government uh, goods. It's for the greater good. I think that's debatable. So we're, we're here, and 
because you can't afford this taxation anymore, they eventually either evict you or you get wise enough on your own that you just get out of Dodge. Now, let's say that you moved to South Dakota. Now, suddenly, while you're there, you're seeing that there's a whole different way of life there. And, and what worked in Los Angeles, or what will cause the collapse of Los Angeles eventually, it just doesn't work in South Dakota. It doesn't work in Idaho. It doesn't work in Tennessee. So we do things differently here. And when you take a long, hard look at the states that are having the most success economically and the quality of living and all those wonderful things, you will see there is a pattern. And that pattern that emerges is mostly red. It's mostly conservatives. Conservative people demanding conservative actions from their governments uh, at the local and state level. Now, you'll see that pattern. Now, you might not want to see it. You may put your blinders on. You may go back to the full uh, blue no matter who mindset of, da-da-da, I can't hear you, Tim. You can't tell me anything because I, I know that's just crazy talk. But if you're not someone like that, if you do open your eyes, your hearts, and your minds to the truth that you're having surround you, then all of a sudden, it might occur to you why the minority should have a voice that can't just be rolled over. Now, I would like to think that most people who actually are a minority uh, group would already fundamentally understand that. And it's just a question of trying to help make the connection about how the voting thing works in relationship to the same mentality. Maybe someday that will click with a, a lot of them, and they'll realize that the Democrats, hey, you know what, they, those guys have been lying to us forever. Now, it doesn't help that most politicians lie. Now, I use the qualifier most because while I tend to think just about all of them do, I, I'm willing, and say I'm using a qualifier again, I'm willing to concede that there may be one or two, maybe they're just new to the game. Maybe they actually are who they present themselves as being. There may be one or two out there that are straight-up, legit, straight arrows, you know? There could be. I'm not going to concede that there's no possibility of it. And again, that's probably me being a little Pollyanna-ish. Uh, Pollyanna, it's not Tim, it's Pollyanna running the show. But that's fine. Say what you will, think what you will. point still stands that if you will open your eyes and see the pattern that's in front of you that good things happen when you govern when you demand that your government behave in a conservative fashion now there may be social value issues that you're not happy with but you see that's where the problem continues to come in at. What you haven't realized, what you haven't clued into, is that when it comes to those social value issues, government doesn't have any business being involved in those in the first place. And it doesn't matter what level of government you're talking about. It doesn't matter 
if you're talking about a governor or a mayor or a county commissioner or the local dog catcher, it doesn't matter. There was a reason why a lot of more local, uh, closer to the people elections never required party affiliation, preferred you didn't have party affiliation. And you know why the reason for that is? Because the closer you are to the people, the more you should understand your constituents, regardless of what their political ideologies are. You're there to serve all of them, and you have to serve them equally. So you can't be picking sides. When you start picking sides like that, when you start playing, I'm with the blue team or I'm with the red team, instead of I'm for the community, well, that's when things start running amok. And that's when you see people get involved with the social value stuff. I'm telling you right now, if I was elected to an office, I would do my best to equally serve everyone, the folks I agree with and the folks I disagree with politically. Because that's the job. I would actually try to do the job. I would make every effort. I've had the honor of mediating senatorial debates before, right here in Tennessee. I was invited by Danny Page, who was an independent candidate. And they got the Democratic candidate to show up. And Lamar Alexander was running for re-election for the last time, and he refused. And he was playing politics. He was playing the percentages. It's like if I'm ahead in the polls and I'm in a comfortable red state and I, I've got nothing to gain by showing up to those things. So the only thing that could happen is something bad. So Lamar wasn't there. But I got to do the debate. And I was actually friends, personally friends with Danny Page. He was uh, a guest on the show multiple times during his campaign as he evolved that campaign. And I got to know him uh, fairly well. And we developed a friendship off air. I need to check on it. In fact, I have been very neglectful to all of my friends here recently. I need to get back in touch with a lot of these folks. Been so involved with the stuff with mom and my own health, I haven't got there. So I've kind of dropped the ball. So apologies if any of you guys are listening. But the point of the matter is I was his friend at that time. But I still conducted the duties as mediator of the debate as though I didn't know him. And I would ask the questions, and I would ask the hard questions, and I would ask the easy questions, and we asked some questions from the crowd. And I expected everyone to follow the same rules. And I expected to get the answers that needed to be given based on the questions that were asked. And... I think for a little while, Danny might have been a little miffed at me because that's how I conducted it. Now, I, he didn't take it super personal. And I don't think he was bothered that much, but I think it might have hurt his feelings a little bit. He was expecting me to kind of help him out. But the point still falls back that he needed to, to, to do that on his own, and he did great. He did phenomenal. He didn't need my help. Uh, I really think that he overall won the debate, but 
Uh, it was hard to gauge that by the crowd because the crowd was mostly Democrats who showed up for the Democratic nominee. And I think it was actually a pretty good debate all the way around, to, to tell you the truth. Uh I would have been just as happy to have sat in the crowd and listened to that one as opposed to being engaged with it. But the point stands, you have to do the job. If you accept the responsibility, if you accept the role, we haven't been expecting our elected officials to do their jobs for a while now. We don't let our local folks get away with what we've let the national folks get away with. There is no accountability. That's the one thing that would straighten things up so much faster. It wouldn't solve all the problems, but it would go a long way towards solving most of the problems if we just held these people accountable for doing the jobs that they have accepted. That they not only accepted, they asked for. No, no, they begged for. And they begged for money so that they could afford to beg more people to vote for them so they could do the job. The job that they're not doing. That they don't come close to doing. It is not Nancy Pelosi's or Chuck Schumer's job to go in front of a camera and talk about how great the Democrats are and how bad the Republicans are. It's part of their job. It's part of their expected responsibilities as high-ranking members of the party. But their job as Speaker of the House and as Senate Majority Leader is to conduct business, to move legislation, to vote on things that need to be voted on, whether you like them or not, to be on the record, to stop trying to push more of your responsibility onto the executive branch or more of your responsibility onto the legislative branch. Stop that crap. But hey, it's, it's us, guys. We're the ones who are going to hold them accountable. Or at least we're the ones that are going to have to. That's our part of the uh, contract part of our job. That's part of being one of the sovereigns. If you want a return to the constitutionally federated republic that we were given, that's where it starts. We demand that return, and we demand these people do their jobs per the description as laid out by the Constitution with no more powers and no less responsibility. Because that's what's missing, guys. They're just not responsible. If they had to be responsible, they would all behave very differently. And I'm not entirely certain how I got down that particular rabbit hole from starting with Donald Trump has canceled his January 6th press conference. But the, the good news is... Donald Trump is not just walking away. He's going to address that and everything else at the upcoming rally in Arizona. All right, I've blown past the halfway point of the first hour. So before I get any further along, 
Uh, let's, uh, let's take that break and get some stuff worked in here. You guys stay right where you're at. I'll be back on the other side. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy New Year. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, yes, the merriest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, you cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. May your tree be filled with happiness, happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with cheerfulness, happiness and cheerfulness for all. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, you'll cheer, and the happiest New Year. George Washington Carver wrote the famous quote, Where there is no vision, there is no hope. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, the one you want in your cup. The United States of America was founded primarily upon principles that enabled those of thrift and personal industry to achieve success and more importantly, leave the legacy of being an example of overcoming the odds with God's grace, making what was an impossible dream into accomplishment. In my thoughts, I am often reminded of the countless sovereign Americans who refused to allow bitterness and hate to become their life story. Still others rejected the fear of stepping out and boldly traveled the road of success in their lives. To my fellow Americans, I beseech you to embrace God's gift of life in this, the greatest nation ever known, and let us seek providential guidance and grand vision of greatness and seize it. If we do, the United States of America will be great again, So help us God. I'm Ron Edwards. Enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience 3 p.m. Eastern Time daily. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Handle them simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, there aren't any rules. Welcome to the Thunderdome. Uh, You know, it does feel like uh, we're in the Thunderdome, doesn't it? Uh, First of all, I want to give a shout-out to Ron Edwards. Uh, You obviously heard the Edwards Notebook just then momentarily. Uh, Let me encourage you to go visit theronedwards.com whenever you get the opportunity just to see whatever he's up to. And while I'm encouraging you to visit some folks, uh, check out PatriotMusic.com. Matt Fitzgibbons is a phenomenal historian, a fantastic musician, and a pretty good friend. Uh, Thank you, uh, Matt, for letting me use some of your tunes here on the show, for giving me full permission to do so. And uh, just 
go see what what brand new project Matt is up to because he is always up to something totally awesome. In the meanwhile, uh, that's kind of where we're at. I certainly appreciate the entirety of folks like Ron Edwards and Matt Fitzgibbons. I also appreciate Ann Ubellis. Uh, check out southern-sense.com whenever you get the chance. Uh, always uh, feel a special place for uh, Don Smith as well. Uh, don't forget Ken Crow over at Conservative uh, Daily, <laughs> Daily Conservative. I, I keep getting those crossed up when I haven't looked at it in a bit. Uh, fantastic. You'll find uh, a lot of great articles from Ken, a few other guest writers, including myself. Uh, so visit uh, Conservative uh, Briefing Daily, uh, Conservative Daily Briefing, Daily Conservative Briefing, which is it? Man, I need to edit that out, but I'm too lazy i'm not going to it's it was a late start for today anyway uh just try all those combinations you'll find it uh, actually tell you what i'll put a link to that in the show description along with a link to coinbase if you're not into crypto yet you really ought to be at least educating yourself about it uh because at this point in the game, I'm pretty sure if you know very much at all about crypto, you would probably be into crypto to some degree. Maybe not big into it, but you at least would have uh, picked up some Bitcoin, some Ethereum, um, maybe uh, some, uh, I, I don't know, uh, there's so many different cryptos out there. I've got maybe even just U.S. dollar coin. Uh, if you go to Coinbase... Uh, you can hold the U.S. dollar coin and actually get a return uh, rate. The staking reward equals uh, better than the interest you get from putting your money in the bank. And the great thing, and unless you uh, try to transfer your Ethereum into Ethereum 2, uh, that's the only exception that I know of right now, you literally can cash out at any point in time that you want to. Right now, anything you're putting into Ethereum 2 uh, if you put it there and then put it into staking, then you've got to leave it there until uh, the staking period is over. That's the only exception that I'm aware of over there. But the uh, great thing about Coinbase is if you're not ready to invest, well, then educate yourself. Find out about uh, the various uh, coins that are available. Find out about the various cryptos because these cryptocurrencies are a good store of money. Uh, they're certainly safer and more stable than the U.S. dollar at the moment. And the only downside is uh, waiting to see what the federal government's going to do to try to get their little grubby fingers into regulating it. But Coinbase is a great platform to use. Because not only can you go over there, check it out, and learn stuff, but they will actually pay you certain cryptocurrencies to learn about those cryptocurrencies. You can get $2 worth of something and $2 worth of something. And you, take a, you, you listen to a short little uh, instructional bit that's usually less than two minutes, you take a one-question quiz at the end of each of those modules. Uh, you'll usually have at least three. A few of them, you'll have more. And it's just a basic understanding of what those cryptos are. And they will pay you out once you've completed that uh, into your account, those cryptos. And here's the really cool part. You literally can convert those 
to any other crypto that you want that's part of the Coinbase platform. And they've got a bunch of them available. All of the major ones and several up-and-comers. So you can uh, do that. Uh, you can convert it there. Or you can go ahead and cash out if that's what you want to do. But while you're getting your feet wet, while you're learning something, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt to get paid a little while you're learning about the crypto. And even if you're a crypto expert as a new uh, member of the uh, Coinbase family, uh, you're still eligible to take those quizzes and earn that crypto. So it's a uh, free crypto, period. Now, here's the other great thing. If you follow the link that's in today's show description, then you will be able to reap a reward. Now, what will happen is... If you use that link and then you sign up while you're using that link, once you have uh, traded $100 worth of crypto, you'll then get free Bitcoin. And not only will you get that free Bitcoin, but I'll receive some too. So it's a good way to help support this show if you'll follow that link. And trust me, whether you're familiar, knowledgeable with uh, cryptos, or if you're a newbie, Coinbase is a great platform to utilize, and it's well worth your time. And I, I just I want to encourage you, copy the, the link, put it in your uh, put it in your web browser. Don't know why I'm starting. I'm, I'm starting to get sleepy. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's in your web browser. Uh, follow it, and uh, you'll just learn some stuff. Check it out. Check it out. Okay, so with a few minutes left, definitely want to uh, sneak this one uh, here into the first hour. Seems that uh, seems that we got a a lecture from Operation Peapads. Barely there, Biden decided that, uh, well, he decided that he's mad at us once again. And make no mistake, he, he points out specifically the unvaccinated, but he really is mad at all of us because we're all playing a part. And we all expect him to, you know, like do stuff that a president might do. Anyway, barely there, Biden once again refused to take questions and he resorted to blaming unvaccinated Americans during his little COVID-19 briefing that took place today. A reminder, live broadcast, January 4th. This COVID-19 briefing, referring to the continued spread of the virus as, you got it, he's used it before, a, quote, pandemic of the unvaccinated. Okay, so uh, Beijing, barely there, Mr. Biden. He began by praising the new COVID-19 pill coming from Pfizer, saying that the newly developed therapeutic would change the landscape with regard to managing the virus, saying, quote, these pills are going to dramatically decrease hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. They're a game changer. You know what? If they do everything that they say they do, then he's right. But guess who they work for? Everybody. Unvaccinated people that are 
more likely to have to go to the hospital with a COVID-19 related issue uh, can take a great deal of solace in knowing that the Pfizer medication, again, if it works as it's supposed to, will provide for them the ability to get well faster. Or at least that's what we're being told. You know, I guess we will have to wait and see. I don't have a reason not to believe Pfizer on this one. I mean, they want to make money, and they've had enough time to work on it. But he's right. He's a game changer. But it's a game changer for one more reason, one more therapeutic that would not make it necessary. Again, we're playing by the leftist rules here with the assumption that the jab is the only thing there to protect you. This is one more reason why you shouldn't have to take the jab. Why, as a free, red-blooded American with the ability to do your own risk analysis and make choices for yourself, why you might not need to take the jab. But see, after praising Pfizer, he made his little pivot to suggest that unvaccinated Americans were expected to drive a surge of hospitalizations adding that the federal government would supply additional personnel, personal protective equipment, PPEs, to hospitals so that they could manage that surge. Bottom line, another excuse to spend taxpayer money. Uh, of course, most of these hospitals, uh, especially the ones that are following the vaccine mandates, they're not going to need a lot of personal protective equipment because they're going to have a lot fewer employees. We've already kind of seen that happening. Some of them are backing off of the plan. We'll see what happens. But here's my favorite part, because it was shortly after his promise of spending more money that barely there Biden went on to say that, uh, that there was, quote, no excuse. Yeah, there's no excuse for Americans who continue to refuse the vaccine. And then he suggested that parents whose children were too young to receive the vaccine, well, they should only surround themselves with people who've been vaccinated. You know, I, I think that's called risk mitigation. And I think there's a few basic sciencey things that they're missing. And I'm going to try to remember to circle back around to those sciencey things that he's missing to go back to the no excuse. I want to say something about the no excuse because guess what? This is the United States of America. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave, even though the current federal government, especially the Democrats, are doing everything in their power to make that be not the case. So you see, my point is, here, Joe, handsy, grabby, touchy-feely Uncle Joe, Creepy, Uncle Joe. We don't need an excuse. We don't need an excuse. We don't need your permission. We need you to do your job and then stay out of our business. We need you to understand what you just told the governors this past week. There is no federal solution. And go along with that, there should be no federal mandates. There should be no federal efforts to try and tell us, the American people, the true sovereigns of this nation, that 
We have to jump through your little hoop. Now, you want to tie stuff to receiving certain benefits within reason? Go ahead. If you're going to say, here, here's some money. Now, here's what we need you to do for that money. Okay. I mean, I, it still should be within reason. There should be limitations on what you can make somebody do in order to acquire taxpayer-funded benefits, especially if those benefits, I don't know, maybe they're actually like Social Security where uh, I've paid in and technically I'm just wanting my money back. I know I'm never going to see my money because you've already spent my money and my grandkids' money. But in theory, that's what I'm supposed to be getting. That's not a benefit. That's just my cash. Now, that would be simple enough concept for most people to think of the folks who have actually worked. Okay, here it is. I understand that. I worked. They kept it. They gave it to the government. That's my money. I want it back. Now, if we can build on that and help folks to understand, you know what? All that money is our money. Every single penny they spend is our money. The government doesn't have any money of its own. They don't even run the Fed, which is why the Fed needs to be audited. And the Fed probably needs to be eh, moved off to the side. No, handsy, grabby, creepy Uncle Joe, barely there, Beijing, Biden. We don't need an excuse, and we don't need your permission. Wouldn't think that's that hard of a concept. But here's the other thing, too, the sciencey thing, the very important thing. Now, we've already got admissions from Dr. Fauci. And several others now that not everybody, especially the children that's being admitted to the hospitals with COVID, are being admitted because of COVID. So again, they're overcounting uh, some of the uh, more some of the more conservative estimations of the overcount puts it at fifty percent. But based on actual reports from actual scientists, everything we're getting involving Omicron. I said, Omicron is the true answer. It's the solution. It is literally nudging all the other COVIDs out of the picture. It's behaving much more like a cold. Now, a few folks are still having more severe stuff. I get that. But for the overwhelming majority of us, it's acting more like a cold than even the flu. And... There's breakthrough cases. None of the vaccines, none of the jabs seem to be working to stop it. And all that's fine. But the best part is the natural immunity that is left after a case of Omicron gives you a level of protection against all the previous versions of COVID uh, to a much greater extent than any of the vaccines have. So in essence, Omicron isn't something to be feared. It's something to be embraced. We should embrace Omicron. And the kids do not need to be afraid of it. The American people don't need to be afraid of it. Nobody needs to be afraid of it. 
All right, so it's time to, uh, <laughs> as you can tell by the music, it is time to reset the hour. Uh, we're going to have to uh, go ahead and jump into that. Uh, since the uh, radio stations typically go an hour at a time, and I'm doing a two-hour live broadcast, so let's reset it right about now. So for those of you listening to Terrestrial Radio, uh, or you're listening over at uh, The Last Frequency, uh, let me uh, say goodbye to you for today. Uh, invite you to come back again tomorrow where you'll get to hear the second hour, I would assume. And in the meanwhile, here's my message. Please, don't take my word for any of it. Not one little bit. Don't take my word for it. Please don't take their word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, Use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and if you can, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. That's it for this hour. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. It's just another New Year's Eve, another night like all the rest. It's just another New Year's Eve, let's make it the best. It's just another New Year's Eve, it's just another old Lang Syne. But when we're through this new
damn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from Roan County, Tennessee, historic, beautiful, lovely, uh, recently a little soggy. Uh, we've uh, had quite the interesting uh, weather profile, but hey, uh, we've been very fortunate here. Some of our friends and neighbors just a few miles from us uh, have really bared the brunt of uh, serious uh, thunderstorms with uh, high winds and then uh, accumulations of snow and Man, I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to have snow for Christmas, and then I'm okay if I don't see any. You know, it, that's part of why I'm in Tennessee. I, I don't mind the occasional snow, but I don't need to see a lot. And right now, things are setting up for us to uh, potentially be looking at some more snow, some possible accumulation uh, right here where I'm at instead of uh, uh, just to our uh, north and east of here uh, this coming Thursday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it is, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, it is Time of the Light broadcast January 4th. We're just a couple of days away from the one-year anniversary of January 6th. The worst day, the darkest day, the most horriblest day in American history, according to Nancy Pelosi and a few of her ilk. You know, the folks that are desperate to find something to run against Republicans here in uh, 2022's midterm elections. Desperate to find some way to, to convince the American public to vote for them uh, in 2024. There's not a lot of reasons to vote for Democrat right now. And I'm really hoping that there aren't very many people that fall for this crap. And I commented back in the first hour. This is, of course, the second hour of a two-hour uh, live broadcast. Commented back in the first hour how I think a lot of people are really trying to cling to the feelings of the holidays a little bit longer than usual uh, by virtue of a lot of decorations not just being left up but still being turned on. You know, when the uh, electricity is flowing to the lights, eh, they're not super expensive kind of Christmassy light stuff, but... I'm not accustomed to seeing very many folks leave their stuff up past the second. You know, usually usually January 1st is the limit for just about everybody. I'm still seeing businesses leaving their uh, decorations up. I'm still seeing a lot of folks in their houses leaving their decorations up and turned on. Still trying to hang on to that holiday spirit. I'm hoping that we can... Uh, Roll on in at least until February, I think, a lot of folks are looking to do. And that's that's a worthy goal. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Now, I mentioned the holiday spirits, and then I mentioned some snow, because uh, for those of you that maybe missed it, uh, here just the other day in the great state of Virginia, there was a crazy incident where just motorists were stranded due to snow and ice on I-95. Now, you would think that would be an opportunity for uh, Governor Blackface, I mean, Governor Northam, uh, to, to do some good, 
to get out there and help these folks. Do something besides just send the uh, highway patrol out. Maybe, maybe do something like call up the National Guard. In fact, he was asked about it. And that's when things kind of went off the rails just a little bit. It shows you how desperate these Democrats are, especially the ones who still have eyes on higher office, still have designs on the national stage. They... They really want to make this January 6th thing work. So uh, January 6th was part of the explanation of why the National Guard wasn't called out much sooner. Ralph Northam literally invoked January 6th, you know, the riot on Capitol Hill last year, when he was asked why it took so long to deploy the National Guard, you know, uh, to help provide assistance to all the motorists who were uh, stranded on I-95. Now, uh, Mike Valero covers the White House, Justice and Election Security for CBS affiliate WUSA9. He tweeted the uh, 4 p.m. update. Virginia Governor Northam just described the response to the January 6th insurrection saying it took a long time to deploy the National Guard as a way of illustrating why his office says the Guard could not be deployed to I-95 on such short notice. Now I'm thinking it's a bit over the top to refer to January 6th as an insurrection unless he's simply reporting that that's what Governor Blackface happened to have said. Now, he also added his 4 p.m. update. Uh, Governor Northam uh, says still no injuries on I-95 as thousands are trapped. Says that state troopers are walking up and down offering food and medicine to people in need. Uh, Reuters sent a foreign policy correspondent. Uh, I'm not sure uh, of the uh, pronoun there, but uh, an Ali. Now, the foreign policy correspondent for Reuters appeared to contradict Northam's claim. Noted that the uh, disastrous road conditions had come up at uh, Tuesday's Pentagon briefing and that no one there had been asked for help. Uh, Quoting here, the situation on I-95 is so bad that it's rightly being asked about at the Pentagon briefing and whether the military has offered to help the situation. Pentagon says no requests have been made for them to help. Best I can tell, there have been thousands of Virginia motorists trapped in freezing conditions for 26-plus hours. Some of them are surely children, seniors, and people in need of food, medicine, water, etc. And Ralph Northam? sent a tweet about it seven hours ago? This from Roy Cooper. Now, Northam's statement, which he tweeted early Tuesday, was as follows, quoting from it. Now, my team has been working throughout the night alongside uh, the Virginia Department of Transportation and others to respond to the situation on I-95. State and local emergency personnel are continuing to clear down trees, assist disabled vehicles, and reroute drivers. An 
an emergency message is going to all stranded drivers, connecting them to support. And the state is working with localities to open warming shelters as needed. While sunlight is expected to help, all Virginians should continue to avoid I-95. Now, just as some noteworthy aside material, uh, some of the folks that were stranded for over 27 hours included Senator Tim Kaine, who was on his way to his office at the Capitol when he got stuck on the road. Uh, said, quote, this is Kane. I started my normal two-hour drive to D.C. at 1 p.m. yesterday. 19 hours later, I'm still not near the Capitol. My office is in touch with the Virginia Department of Transportation to see how we can help other Virginians in this situation. Please stay safe. Uh, yeah, please stay safe. Now, upon his arrival to the Capitol, Kane shared his relief and a photo with another tweet going, whoo, okay, after 27 hours on the road from Richmond to D.C., very happy to be back in the Capitol and working on voting rights legislation this afternoon. Now, I share this article, this story with you, because Ralph Northam was essentially caught in a lie and called out by an actual honest-to-goodness journalist from Reuters. We don't see much journalism in uh, these days. I'm a, I'm a fan of good journalism. There needs to be more. We we're seeing more people leave newsrooms and around the country, newspaper bullpens and and television news, even in Canada. A lot of folks have realized they can make a halfway decent living over at Substack, and they're going independent, and they're able to to be their own editors, make their own editorial decisions. Some of them like it for that issue alone. Others, others are starting to really understand that, well, they've gone from being the folks on the left in the meetings to being among the more conservative people employed in these uh, businesses. And when somebody whose politics haven't changed finds themselves closer to the center than they want to be because the folks that are around them are so much further to the left, then it raises questions. When you have purity tests and Failties that have to be sworn, allegiances to ideologies, and the notion that the color of someone's skin should matter more than anything else when it comes to telling a story, then you have to start asking some serious questions. Is journalism still a thing? Are there still real journalists? Do you want to save journalism? Now, it's kind of funny for me to be uh, one of the people that are picking up that torch and saying it because some people mistakenly believe that I'm a journalist. And I continue to point out, no, no, I, I'm an opinion guy. I'm a commentator. That's what I do here. I, I'm commentating. Sometimes kamikaze commentating. I'm just commenting. 
and almost always from my point of view. Although every now and then, just uh, for the heck of it, I'll try to play devil's advocate. I can't bring myself to do that very often, but I try every now and then. Sometimes I will bring you a straight-up news story weeks, sometimes even months before the, the mainstream legacy media will pick up on it. In those situations, I even though somebody else has actually broke the story and I brought it to you because I thought it was important, in that kind of way, I guess I do help to break news. Does that make me a journalist? I don't really think so. I do try to hold myself to a certain standard. I try to, to make sure that we're verifying the stories that we're talking about before I go down that path. And, and I try to make corrections when it's necessary. Now, the only time I don't make those corrections when it's necessary is if, A, it's taken me a while to find out that I needed to make that correction, and then if enough time has passed, it doesn't seem important enough to bring up. Or if I'm still blissfully unaware that I need to make a correction. Otherwise, I will do it. I, I, not that long ago, I came on air right off the bat uh, apologizing and correcting the misstatements I had made previously because I didn't have all the information. Does that make me a journalist? Most journalists aren't doing that these days, so I don't think that's an argument. However, what we want from journalists falls into that category. What we would like to see from journalists, it would be nice to see the corrections when they need to be made, actually get made humbly and asking for our forgiveness in our continued audience. That would be phenomenal. Instead of, well, we're going to bury a correction uh, way back here on page 17. And we're going to put it in really small print. So probably nobody's going to notice it even then. Yeah, that's, that's not printing a retraction. That's not correcting the story. That's just trying to hide from your mistake. But you can still legally go back and say, well, yeah, we, we did the correction. Nobody knew it, but we did. So what does it take? And it, uh, George Sensor, uh, I was visiting with him on his show uh, a little while back, and we got onto the topic of uh, journalistic credentials because I qualify for them in some instances and have actually been invited uh, on a few occasions to come and cover uh, certain events. I'm like, really? Me? Wow. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. I had no intention of getting involved with it, but I still not something that happens every day. So it's like, hey, neat, cool. Uh, somebody's actually saying, here, uh, pick up your credentials here. We'll see you at the gate. Uh, come be part of the uh, the big happening and tell your audience about everything that's going on. So, you know, some people, like I said, some people mistake me for a journalist. Now, George made the case that... Uh, that we're more journalists than the folks that claim the title. And, you know, we did have that discussion where, you know, I've, I've listened to his show enough to know that, yeah, he, he does those same things. He does hold himself uh, accountable to what he's uh, sharing. Yeah, he 
doesn't pull punches, and he's strictly on the internet. So he, uh, on his show, he's he's bringing a little bit of firebrand, and sometimes the language gets salty, and uh, you know, it's it's not for somebody that's easily offended. But he's uh, dropping truth bombs left and right, and he's got a strong, strong group of regulars that are calling in and being part of the broadcast too, and that's where a lot of that salty language comes from. But they're interacting, and the other thing there is they're usually right, too. But the discussion of what makes journalists, you know, it used to be clear-cut. What makes a journalist? You you sought the truth. You were an adversary for government and big corporations. You didn't take anything any of these people told you at face value. And you always sought for the truth with the intention of making sure that the general public was made aware of the truth, even if it was a truth you didn't particularly like. Now, I say all of that to circle back around to Ralph Northam. Ralph Northam literally got called out by one reporter for Reuters because they were aware that Ralph hadn't even asked for help. He never sent out the request to get the National Guard back in play. He never made the call up to put his his folks there to help the people that were stuck in his state. And when asked about it, he immediately deflected like, oh, well, it's not my fault. Here's the reason why. And it's January 6th. And the sad part is most of the journalists in the room, most of the journalists on Twitter, most of the blue check marks just accept it and say, oh, yeah, that's, that's perfectly understandable. That, it, it's just, you know, that January 6th business was terrible. It, it's, it's, it's ruining things for everybody, even now. Some writer wrote an article just the other day saying that uh, January 6th is every day. Every day is January 6th. Well, here's, here's the bad news, guys hate to bust your bubble but every day it's not January 6th every day is a struggle for most Americans every day is a day that most of us get up and then we are faced with the reality of how do we pay our bills how do we put food on the table how do we make sure that there's still gas in our car and people like Joe Biden and the, the leftist minions that are around him in this administration, people like Ralph Northam that fully support this ridiculous ideologies of the so-called progressives, they're putting in place policies that makes those daily struggles harder for most people. But they want to set back with a smile on their face and tell you bald-faced lies about how they're trying to help and their policies are going to lift you up. The Republicans are going to put you all back in chains, but we, we're going to lift you up. We're going to let you murder your babies even after they've been born, you know, as long as it's within the first few minutes. I'm going to 
put on blackface or I'm going to put on a freaking KKK hood and, and I'm going to have pictures taken of me when I'm in, back in college, but I'm not going to remember which one of those two guys I am. And you know what? You're going to leave me as governor even after you find that out because you don't really care about what actual racism looks like. You just want virtue signaling. If you're one of those Americans that are struggling every single day, how can you possibly continue to support these people who will lie to you to your face over things that aren't that important? They will lie to you about the dog in the White House. Oh, well, you know, the, 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 he's, he's just, we, we had to send him back for additional training. It was time. It was time because he was biting people. But other than for the Secret Service agents that was getting bit, this isn't something worthy of lying about. But it's like breathing to these people. I don't know that they can inhale and exhale without a lie coming out with it. It just doesn't seem natural. And the big lie isn't what they say the big lie is. The big lie is the fact that they can tell the difference between the truth and a lie in the first place. Ralph Northam got caught. He didn't even take the first steps towards sending a request to the Pentagon. Hey, I need to call up the National Guard. We got a real emergency here. Should have been the first order of business, right? That's typically what most governors do in a state of an emergency. Realizing that that's what they do, they send the official notifications. The Pentagon's made aware, and they're give their basic approvals, not that they get too much say in the matter anyway, but, you know, essentially it gets done because the governors have that authority and the National Guard is hoofing it. Good guys to the rescue. They do what they can to make things better for all the folks that are stuck there. They do what they can to alleviate, alleviate the burden on the highway patrol. I don't even think it takes that long. Most states have a streamlined version of how to call up the National Guard in the event of an emergency. So what's the deal, Ralphie? You, you just don't like being caught flat-footed? Don't like being called out for not actually helping people who are stuck in your state when you're uh, trying to virtue signal about how many uh, pre-born children you're going to murder this year? I mean, what's what's the deal? Late for your makeup session there, uh, Governor Blackface? I mean, I, I don't understand. But why does it take a foreign correspondent to call it out? Where is the American journalist that puts two and two together and says, uh, you're lying? I mean, you don't want to be rude about it. You can say, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, sir, I believe that's an untruth. I, which is why I'm not a journalist, would just say, you're lying. Why? Because he's lying. But where's the media? 
The media is on board. The media wants the lie. The media wants you thinking that, yes, everything bad that's happened since that day is because of January 6th. It's because a group of rowdy Americans, uh, yeah, and I'm going to stick with that, a group of rowdy Americans uh, got a little overzealous. And they rioted at the White House. Now, how many of them actually rioted? A relatively small number compared to how many people got arrested. And again, the folks that legitimately broke the law, especially the folks that actually did assault police officers, yeah, punish them. Jail, that's that's where they need to be. They don't need to be held indefinitely. They need to get their trials. They need their due process. You need to actually do the things you're supposed to do. But if you assaulted a police officer, you need to face some consequences, boys and girls. Now, you're trespassing. If during an official uh, work session of Congress, you happen to have moseyed on in one of these opened-up uh, barricades, following the rowdy folks in, taking selfies... Okay, there there probably should be some repercussions for that, too. Should it be indefinite incarceration? No. Should it be jail time? Probably not. Maybe a fine. You know, if you went in and you didn't do any damage, you didn't hurt anything or anybody, you were just part of the trespassing mob, then, okay, here's a fine. Pay the fine. Don't do it again. Come on. Because these people had every reason to be upset. These people had every reason to be bothered by the events that were going on. And I'm sorry, this was a legitimate political protest ever bit as much, I'm going to say, a whole lot more than the summer of love in Portland. The summer of love in Seattle. The summer of love in whatever leftist city you want to point out where you ended up seeing riot after riot after riot after dark. Oh, but you see, that's that's not the same, Tim. That, that was righteous outrage. That was George Floyd, St. George. His death was wrong. All at the hands of a racist white police officer. And then the overreaction from the orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist in trying to, you know, reestablish law and order inside American cities. How dare he send federal troops, troops, uh, more like officers, to try to help secure federal buildings. I mean... I get it. If you're the mayor of one of these cities, if you're the mayor of Portland, or you're the mayor of Seattle, you you may not want federal officers running around on your streets. But guess what? That federal building is a federal building. It's not yours. It's in your city. But it doesn't belong to you. So when the folks that do own it decide they're going to take security into their own hands, maybe I'll up. You know what? Maybe if you were doing your job in the first place and not allowing riots and mobs on your streets, you wouldn't have had to worry about it. I wouldn't be calling myself at the top of every hour mostly peaceful if it wasn't for the ridiculousness of the media. 
That's the media. Mostly peaceful. Let's go, Brandon. These are things the media do to try and downplay the bad parts, to protect the narrative. And in this case, the narrative has to be January 6th, bad. January 6th, bad. Trump supporters, bad. Republican voters, bad. Conservative people, bad. Christian people, bad. Cis white males, bad. Protect the narrative, protect the narrative, protect the narrative. Democrats running things equals city goes to crap. Democrats running things at the state equals state goes to crap. Democrats running at the federal level equals entire country goes down the tubes. Hey, hey, that's just how it is, guys. But it would be so much worse if you let these completely competent adult-type people run things because then the insurrectionists win. Then the, the racists win. The bigots win. Patton Oswald. A guy that generally I typically tend to like his work. There's been a few things I was kind of like, eh, not so good. Most of his stuff, pretty good. He's a funny guy. Especially liked his earlier stuff. Enjoyed him in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., actually. Threw David Chappelle under the bus. When Dave was nice enough to invite him to guest do his uh, thing over at his show after he was doing his stand-up stuff on his own. He did this whole New Year's thread. Blah, 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 blah. I got to start with a great friend and a great New Year. And then, because his friend was David Chappelle, oh no, and David Chappelle, you know, he's upset the Alphabet Mafia over there, so you, know, you, you, you gotta come back with an apology. Now, if they really are friends, there's a good chance that Dave understands that uh, Mr. Oswald doesn't have the same position in his career, that he needs to appease a certain group in order to continue to work. So maybe he'll forgive him. Maybe he won't even think twice about it. I, I don't think Dave cares too much. I don't think he gives two craps about a lot of that stuff. But I do still think that it probably hurts his feelings some that here he is, a friend, refuses to stand up for him, refuses to say, hey, you know what? I know you guys have a problem with him, but that's not the Dave I know. The Dave I know is the funniest man on the planet, and I love him. He's my friend, and we don't see eye to eye on everything. But you know what? That's part of what makes America great. Where's that? If you're saying that, I can respect that. I'd be okay with that. I still would think you're a bit of a wuss, but that's that's not a bad place to be. You know, you're offering up some level of understanding for the people whose feelings were hurt because you took a picture with your friend. It just happens to be a friend that's made them mad. And I am still yet to figure out exactly what part really bothers them so badly. First of all, Comedian, second of all, very funny. Third of all, most of what he said is just truth. 
a few things slightly offensive. There was a time when people understood in comedy slightly offensive just meant you were pushing a boundary, and usually that was the funniest part. If you can't laugh at yourself just a little bit, if you're so fragile, then eh, maybe you should just go back into that bubble you've been living in and don't stick your head out. Don't stick your head out the window. Don't turn on your TV. Don't turn on your radio. Just hide. Don't get online. Don't get online. It's not a good place. Stop being so fragile. Stop listening to the media. They're not telling you the truth. All right, I better take that mid-hour break right now or I'm going to blow completely past it. You guys stay right where you're at. I'll be back on the other side. Don't go anywhere. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very happy new year. No more champagne and the fireworks are through. Here we are, me and you, feeling lost and feeling blue. It's the end of the party and the morning seems so gray, so unlike yesterday. Now time for us to say Happy New Year The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than 10 months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand... The January 6th Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your Christmas order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. 
Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. What in the hell's diversity? Well, I I could be wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Of course, we heard from Dan Perkins. Please check out Songs and Stories for Soldiers uh, whenever you get an opportunity. Uh, We also heard from my friend Ron Edwards bringing us the notebook and talking about the Sixth Amendment. You know, I, I was discussing the whole Patton Oswald, Dave Chappelle bit. And, you know, it's it's not an overwhelming thing, <laughs> you know, Amy. It's not that important in the grand scheme. Uh, but Dave Chappelle has become such a lightning rod, such a lightning rod recently. And part of the reason why has a lot to do with the fact that he doesn't take any BS. He's comfortable with where he's at in his life. He's made enough money. And uh, he doesn't have to bow to anyone at this point. Uh, how liberating that must be. And, you know, uh, he's a funny man to boot. I, I Some of his stuff really crosses over into race baiting. Uh, I, I've had some issues with some of what he's done. But all in all, though, I mean, you still can't, you can't deny the fact that Dave Chappelle is a funny man. He, he truly is. Uh, he's very gifted at his uh, craft, and it is astounding that so many people have so much difficulty in understanding the simple concept of humor these days. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, you know what else is amazing? The fine folks over at Hero Soap. Uh, you know, we talk about the Hero Soap Company a lot here. They're one of my favorite uh, affiliates to, to mention because they truly are one of the most America-first companies they, uh, they're owned by veterans. They uh, make contribution to uh, charities that work with veterans, uh, charities that work with active duty military, that work with first responders. You know, basically all of our heroes, past and present, who wear a uniform of any kind, they're on the front lines trying to help them. 
they just got a deadgum great product to boot. I love the Hero Soap line. In fact, you know, I, I, my favorite is The Woods. That's my favorite uh, my favorite smell of the soaps that I've tried so far. Not my wife's favorite, however. So I, I don't use it uh, very often, not that particular one. It's a very manly smell. But, uh, you know, my wife prefers something a little less woodsy, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. But they literally have something for everybody as far as the product is concerned. And it really is a great product. Uh, no harsh perfumes or chemicals. It's uh, mostly uh, an all-natural product. And uh, it, it is a phenomenal thing where they source everything they can from within the United States. And the few things that they can't source within the United States... They use American companies to source it for them. So very uh, America first, but the best part is their soaps are fantastic. And soaps aren't the only thing they do. Now, I can sit here and try to go on and on about it, uh, but in truth, you'll find out a whole lot more about what they do if you'll just follow the link in today's show description. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast, go to the show description, uh, copy the full length, uh, paste that into your web browser and go visit and take a look and see what they have to offer. Uh, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, however, uh, obviously you don't have that show description in front of you. So a little later, when you get a chance, if you wouldn't mind visiting Tap Into The Truth, that's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. Uh, go there and uh, click on one of the banners and uh, go check them out there. Now, if you do either one of those things, that's how they're going to know that I sent you. And so if you decide to make a purchase, uh, that affiliate uh, connection kicks in. I get a small little commission for sending traffic their way. But even if you don't uh, decide to make a purchase, if you'll continue to use those links to visit them, uh, they'll still appreciate the fact that I'm sending traffic their way and might eventually lead to a sponsorship. So you can still help improve the show that way. And me getting sponsors would improve the show because then I could spend way more time working on the show and getting better equipment, maybe hiring some producers to help it out, really elevate it, and that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. All right, let's get back to the show, shall we? Uh, just remember, tap into the truth. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth.com. Uh, give it a vision. Give it a vision. Give it a visit. And uh, click on the banners. Check out all the other fine folks over there as well. All right, uh, last major story that I'm going to touch on today. Uh, seems like schools got that uh, $130 billion to reopen. Remember that part of the uh, the American Rescue Plan? Well, it seems that some of these folks, uh, they spent some of that money, but they're not reopening in the new year. So... Let's take a look at how some of these states actually spent the money that was supposed to let them deal with COVID. Uh, this, of course, coming uh, mostly from an article by Luke uh, Rosanak over at the Daily Wire. Uh, many schools are now resuming classes as the year begins. Now, many schools are resuming classes, but guess what? Many schools are also not resuming classes as the year begins, and they, of course, are citing COVID-19 for the reason why they're not. 
So after spending some of that $130 billion that schools received for reopening, they spent some of that on critical race theory-infused initiatives instead. And uh, this is something that can be proved. A review of funding applications have made it very clear. So it's not something that I'm just pulling out of my hat. It's not something that Luke's just pulling out of his hat. He did the legwork, and I'm just helping him to report uh, from his article. On Joe Biden's first day as the installed leader of the regime, he told Americans that delivering the $130 billion in supplementary funding to schools through his American Rescue Plan. Well, he said that that would provide schools the resources they need to reopen safely. He said, quote, we can open schools if we give school districts, communities, and states the clear guidance they need as well as the resources that they will need. NPR blared, Biden administration proposes $130 billion to help schools reopen. In March, the Senate Majority Leader Chucky Schumer said, quote, There's no replacement for having kids in the classroom. We need to get our schools to reopen as quickly and as safely as possible. Now, my Republican colleagues have made a lot of noise about reopening our schools, but they don't want to dedicate any resources to actually getting it done. Well, they got the money. Yet, this month, schools in numerous districts will be closed, citing an inability to deal with the Omicron variant, despite receiving the money that uh, could have gone towards mitigation, protection, and preventative measures. Mm, turns out, though, that it could be in part due to a bait-and-switch. You know, with money passed into law under the guise of public health actually being used for racial ideology instead. You see, back in August, the Department of Education published strategies for using the money. Quoting from that, rebuilding from COVID-19 is an opportunity. According to the document, it's an opportunity for a culture shift and the establishment of equitable practices. One example of how a district is using a performance assessment in a culturally and linguistically responsive way is, of course, the Chicago School System Curriculums for Equity Initiative. Chicago earmarked $32 million of the ARP money to a comprehensive, culturally responsive curriculum, one that was developed through the Curriculum Equity Initiative. The union is voting on whether to switch to remote learning today. Time of the live broadcast being Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Milwaukee allocated $24 million of its ARP money to social-emotional learning, including $100,000 for anti-racism, and biased professional development. It will not be conducting classes in person until at least January 10th. 
a review of the proposals submitted by states and approved by the federal government shows that their plans for supposed coronavirus money are littered with CRT-infused ideas. CRT-infused ideas. For example, California earmarked $1.5 billion to provide school districts with training resources for classified, certified, and administrative school staff in specified high-need topics, including accelerated learning, re-engaging students, restorative practices, and implicit bias training. It's always the last one that gets you, isn't it? New York's relief plan said it believed opportunities to learn are greatly expanded for all students when strong principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion are present and operative in a district or school. It referenced teaching students about privilege and their identities. This, of course, filtered down to local school districts, the the Corning Painted Post School District said that it would use ARP money to pay the Equity Collaborative, a consultant best known for its work in Loudoun County, Virginia, in case you don't recall. You know, the one that said that schools shouldn't focus on learning? Yeah, that's the same one. They preach the five tenets of critical race theory. Now, they're going to keep telling you, we don't teach critical race theory. No, but they do teach racial essentialism, and that's what we're talking about here. Meanwhile, Buffalo Public Schools said that it would spend $1.2 million of the money on its Office of Culturally and Linguistically Responsive Initiatives, including hiring staff for anti-racism and for emancipation curriculum materials. Fox reported in 2020 that the emancipation curriculum advocates to elementary school students the disruption of Western nuclear family dynamics in favor of black villages, whatever that means. Michigan promoted using an equity lens to appropriate money, including spending it on professional development for all staff members in social-emotional learning, trauma-informed care, and, wait for it, implicit bias. It said that it would spend it on a culturally responsive school leadership institute academies program that challenges whiteness and... Uh, yeah, challenges whiteness. Michigan schools that will open in 2022, year, uh, the third year of coronavirus, online include Detroit, Ann Arbor, uh, Oak Park, Lansing, Pontiac, and Southville. Online opening in 2022. Virginia plans to spend money on a, quote, roadmap to equity. Uh, draws directly from Ibram Candy. Washington State will allocate ARP funds with a lens of educational equity. Massachusetts said that it would hire race consultants like the Kaleidoscope Collective for learning. 
you know, to engage in robust agency-wide anti-racism training and to use, quote, a portion of the ARP uh, funds to create a culturally responsive, anti-racist, and welcoming environment in schools. Minnesota uh, said that it would use the money not to just address COVID, but also racial stressors, social inequities, and gender identity. Oregon said bluntly that it has incorporated an equity-informed anti-racist stance and anti-oppressive stance throughout this application and intends to continue this practice as well as they implement the programs described in the application. Nevada said that it would spend ARP funding on equity and diversity training and professional development for school staff, including $380,000 for restorative justice practices. Rhode Island said that it would center all actions from an orientation of cultural responsiveness and anti-racism that promotes uh, SELN wellness and address the deep systemic inequalities that existed before the pandemic. Biden, of course, said that the Omicron variant was not a reason to close schools and that we, quote, I believe that schools should remain open. And give me my pudding. No, wait, I, I don't think he said that last part. He was just thinking it really hard. They have what they need because the American Rescue Plan. So he's basically patting himself on the back. Hurt his arm patting himself on the back so hard. They have what they need. We provided the states with $130 billion with a B. Yeah, he gave a, a little flying bee well, along with the cash. <laughs> 130, 130 billion with a B uh, to specifically keep our students safe and keep schools open. Funding for ventilation. But you see, the, the progressive activists, they, they made no secret that the bill was not actually written that way. That the money is spread over five years, indicating that it was not only intended to directly address coronavirus, but for other things, too. Back in April, the New York Times published an op-ed headlined, A Progressive Vision is Possible if We Spend Money Thoughtfully Now. It basically said that the APS funds uh, actually have fewer strings attached than the smaller parallel funds in the 2009 bill, which helped administer under the Obama administration, and that there was nothing stopping them from being used to address racial and economic inequity. So with just a few minutes left, a couple of minutes left in the, this hour, I've got to wind it down so I don't get to comment too much, but here's the deal. These folks... They're stealing taxpayer dollars, and they're still teaching CRT. And they're going to keep telling you they're not teaching CRT. We're not doing it. But you are. You're just teaching racial essentialism. And so since you're just teaching basically the premises of CRT, but you're not actually teaching CRT proper, 
well, then you're going to deny it, and you're going to be able to look yourself in the mirror because you're like, see, those rubes, they don't know any different, but we're not lying. We're telling the truth. We're just taking the major aspects, the, the worst parts of CRT, and we're just teaching that. That's not the same, and we're taking your money to do it. What? COVID response? Nah. We need this money because the folks that know that we're teaching CRT are trying to take our money away from us. They're trying to take that funding. So we got to get it back somewhere, don't we? We're being had, guys. Let's, let's pay attention. Don't stop showing up. Keep going to the school board meetings. Meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, Use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, uh, stay safe out there, guys. Stay healthy if you can. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out.
is using both hands. Mm-hmm.